Hello, everyone, and welcome to EU Asia Talks, a podcast about Europe Asia relations in this rapidly transforming world. I'm Shada Islam, an independent analyst and EU commentator based in Brussels, and it is my pleasure to host these podcasts. Relations between Asia and Europe are multifaceted and cover a range of sectors. They're also not just about discussions among leaders, ministers, and senior officials. Yes, these formal encounters are important, but the Asia-Europe relationship is also about connections and conversations among people, among students, academics, and think tankers, journalists and bloggers, business representatives, and trade unionists, and members of parliament. It is also about exchanges among young people. These can be held in a formal institutional setting, but they can also be informal. What is important is that we talk to each other and that we understand each other, that we understand what makes us different, but also what brings us together. That's why I'm delighted to talk to two young EU ASEAN leaders who have taken part in several months of discussions within the EU ASEAN Young Leaders Forum, which is a joint EU ASEAN initiative. We'll be talking to Zoe Elkair Nico. She's from Denmark and has a background in European law and is the co-founder of the European Debate Initiative. And she's a 2021 European Citizens Prize Laureate. Zoe, welcome. Thank you very much. And we'll be talking to Pasawit Juta Tangcharan from Thailand. Pasawit is an EU ASEAN young leader from Thailand, as I said, and experienced, very experienced in ASEAN and global affairs. He's worked at the Geneva Center for Security Sector Governance and was a program officer at the ASEAN University Network. Before we start this conversation, let's hear first from EU ambassador to ASEAN, Igor Driesmans, who's really been very instrumental in setting up this Young Leaders Forum. Igor, I'm going to have a conversation just now with two young leaders. Do you ah, have okay. a message for them? Well, I'd like to say keep on going. I think the work that uh, we've seen coming out of the Young Leaders has been very exciting. So I do look forward to all of your recommendations and I wish you a, a great conversation. Uh, that's very lovely from Igor Driesman. Thank you very much. Absolutely. It is great to hear his thoughts and we're very happy to be here as well. So let's kick off with you, Pasawit. Tell me a little bit about yourself and what brought you within uh, the Young Leaders Forum? What encouraged you, incentivized you to participate in this month-long, month-long conversation that you had between EU and ASEAN young people? Yes, uh, thank you for having me. So um, right now I'm currently based in Bangkok. I recently just joined the student think tank for Europe-Asia relations. You might have heard of them. Uh, funny enough, as a podcast and interview editor. So here we are. I recently graduated from the Graduate Institute of De International and Development Studies in Geneva. So I had some experience with Europe there. And uh, as you said, I've been working with the ASEAN University Network, the UN, uh, the UN as uh, I was working the FAO, particularly with communications. And yes, yeah, so the way I found about the uh, Young Leaders Forum was actually through LinkedIn. And it just kind of popped up at one time and I decided, um, why not? So, and I actually had a friend who was working in the EU Commission and I've talked about it and he told me, he did encourage me to kind of get involved in this. And I was also, when I was working with the AUN as a program officer, we did have a lot of communications with the EU side. Specifically, we were working with tertiary education 
And one of the things that we were talking about was about how uh, some universities in Europe were teaching practitioners in ASEAN universities about academic frameworks and curriculum design specifically uh, in a post-COVID era where it's a lot of digital design. So I want to get involved in the policy side of that, of whatever I, whatever I was already working on. So tell me, how was it? to you know to have these discussions uh, online i think you did breakout rooms you did conferences i took part in some of these what was it like well, how did you feel uh at first it was pretty difficult i mean it's always easy the first time we all of us together but eventually with an online format it's always difficult to get people to constantly connect and indeed it's very difficult to say come to this meeting at this time especially when people are from very different time zones and it's always tough to get people to come together, but I think there's also something that the participants did themselves. So initially, I think the format was have an election and send some people to Brussels. But um, I think the participants themselves have discussion. They were saying, like, we're not here to compete with each other. We're here to really create change and make something we can truly say we made together. And with the pooling of all of expertise, not just one person saying something. So what we actually did was convince the organizers that, no, this is what we want. We want to have meetings together, create real working groups and just work on making these proposals together because that's what we want as youth participants to really create something together and send it there no matter what. So there is this EU-ASEAN commemorative summit for 45 years of partnership and uh, the Young Leaders Forum, EU-ASEAN Young Leaders Forum, has developed a set of recommendations that will go there. How do you feel about those recommendations? Was it a collaborative effort? Yes, it was very collaborative. It was uh, it was a very long task because we had a lot of perspectives from so, uh, from the ASEAN side and EU side, particularly a lot of people were sharing some parts. Sometimes like we have an idea like, oh, you can't do that. Or, oh, this already exists. And like, it was very useful having everybody's perspective of what we, what things we were missing or what gaps we didn't have or what opportunities we have or like, um, oh, this wouldn't work this way because this is what my experience is. So it was a very collaborative process. I don't think it's one person was owning one draft. It was very much everybody together once alive. So can you be, uh, Pasarit, can you be a little bit more uh, explicit about the values debate? Because this has been an ongoing conversation within EU and ASEAN for 45 years. Uh, there's been quite a lot of disagreements and discord over this issue. How did you as young leaders overcome those differences and reach some kind of compromise? Yes, so there was a few things I could say, for example, for politics and security. I think one of the more contentious issues was about the big elephants in the room, things like the Russian-Ukraine conflict or Myanmar. And one of the things that was very difficult for us to decide was, should the EU and ASEAN cooperate to be involved in this at all? Because on the surface, it's kind of like a regional issue. Like, well, so from the ASEAN side, they may say, well, Ukraine and Russia, that's a EU issue. We have nothing to do with this. And same wise for, for Myanmar. The ASEAN could say, well, this is our problem, so the EU should not be involved. And yet, these are things that we feel should be addressed. We can't just like saying like, oh, because it's on each other's region, we should just not talk about it. So we try to at least have some dialogue or something happen. We cannot say that they have to be involved, but in some extent, we want them to at least have some discussion or dialogue about these mutual issues and see what they could bring to the table. And another one thing that actually like um, we've been talking about was a lot of the proposals we had, especially for um, financial stuff or economic development was that traditionally it's 
the proposal has become a bit more one-sided, as in EU gives this and ASEAN takes that. Whereas this donor-recipient relationship, I believe, may have been a norm in the past, but given the new strategic relationship, we actually could see that the ASEAN actually has things they could offer the EU, especially with something like widespread financial digitalization. So when we came to the actual agreement, we want to show that this is not just uh, EU giving stuff to ASEAN and stuff. This is and a real, a mutual exchange of resources and expertise. That's a very important point you've just pointed to. And I was wondering, how did you feel about this, let's say, more equal, more interactive conversation between ASEAN and the EU? Was there some kind of, let's say, early hesitation on embarking into such a sort of debate? Or was it just came naturally to you because you're just young and you just want to talk to each other? You don't worry about being impolite or discourteous. You just want to get some ideas out there. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think it depends on each kind of group, but mostly it's just we were, we were, some of us were on the same page and other of us were just basically discussing, okay, maybe uh, like, uh, oh, I didn't know that about your region or like maybe like, oh, this is something you may not have thought about. And so everybody was very open to each other. I think they were sort of very open about because sometimes some people want to have a bit stronger language on things that they want and others were more well we're not too sure that this side would accept this the language the way it is so there's always this sort of agreement disagreement but there was not a lot of say bad conflict i think we all came from the same place we all want the best for this recommendation and we just want to inform each other what the realities were but also what the opportunities are and in my opinion that was one of the it was one of the best ways of collaborating with each other. Okay. And there were 90 young leaders who were participating in this conversation. So finding compromises must have been quite a challenging task. But having participated in these conversations, what do you see as the three shared common challenges facing the EU and ASEAN today in this very challenging global environment? First of all, is geographical distance. We really don't think about this, but it's a reality that the more far apart two regions are, the less they really think about each other or think of, and so they make each other less of an immediate priority or each region are dealing with their own issues nearer to them. And this is kind of a challenge that both EU and ASEAN really need to think about. And secondly, like both sort of, as we talked about, have their own understanding about values, uh, things that they think might work. And while I think it's not active enough, I think that dialogue is very much necessary to clear this part up and open dialogue, especially, so that both sides can try to converge on some common point that they could work on. And thirdly, I think um, both sides just really have to clarify what they want from each other. So far, there's a, we do have a relationship that exists, but I also think there should be purpose to it. Like why, like what is important about this relationship and what do we want out of it? Otherwise, if we don't know what we want from this, it could easily be prioritized for any other things. And we have to show that why we why this is so important for us to preserve and develop. So let me pursue that a little bit with you, Pastor Witt. So why do you think we should pursue this discussion? What do you think should be the purpose of this uh, of, of this relationship between the EU and ASEAN? I think it's also just about awareness and attention. In many cases, in the reality, like while EU and ASEAN is trying to get close to each other, uh, the mutual awareness is still in the budding period. I think it's still emerging. And I do feel like as we have to kind of really think about why this relationship matters to us. 
And if you do not answer this question, it will just be on the wayside. And it's just exists. We don't want it to just exist for the sake of existence. We want to build real connections and show that this relationship could develop to something that would benefit both sides. And so I think that once we understand the purpose and sort of understand the common grounds with both EU and ASEAN really could agree on with or like kind of share that there's that a real mutual relationship could really be built and not just some sort of awareness as just high level meetings that a real relationship not just at the high level but the bottom up could develop so what do you think because what you're saying is extremely important and it's a good point of view coming from the young leaders forum what would you say that the EU ASEAN summit in December should have at the core of its conversation, at the core of its deliberations? I think, first of all, that would be just to really show that this, the strengthen the strengthen of the relationship is real. After all, we have upgraded the strategic partnership in 2020, and we want to show that there's a, there will be visible and tangible results based on that relationship. And another thing, I reached, because I'm a youth leader, is that we want to have more young people on the table. Um, we, I have seen some cases of young leaders participating, or at least giving some advisory role. But I think uh, by 2022, we've seen that the young people don't really just want to have this be an advisory role or just um, be on the sidelines. They want to be involved because they are very invested in the ASEAN relationship. Relation. In fact, I would say that they're more invested than anybody else, really, because in the coming 10, 20 years, they will affect them the most and for the longest period. And so I think the part about the youth should really be emphasized. I think that should be centered on the table and should not be neglected when it comes to EU ASEAN relations. So pursuing this a little bit further, once again, in terms of topics to discuss, um, what are the topics that you think are really important? For instance, during the Young Leaders Forum discussions, I found that a number of young people were talking about questions like mental health, and especially how the pandemic has impacted on young people who've lived in isolation, couldn't go to university, schools, some of them didn't have access to digital technology, which would allow them to go online. Do you think this is an issue that uh, is a common shared concern for EU and ASEAN young people? Yes, I think that with regards to the issue of education, for example, and such like people going to schools and such, it affects me personally, too, because I, I have people in my family who really struggled through the COVID-19 pandemic. And the issue of education and accessibility to education, which was an area I was working for the past two years, was really difficult. And the COVID-19 pandemic just kind of shows how much of a divide there is, not just between EU and ASEAN, but within ASEAN itself. And, and mental health was also an issue that popped up a lot. It hasn't been discussed a lot, but I have seen it, seen the youth really want to push this up on the agenda. They want to put this into legislation or any sort of agreement in writing that this is an important issue we have to discuss. I've seen the youth in ASEAN have already really want to talk about this. And I agree that at the high level, at least with EU and ASEAN, I hope both sides really do put this on the forefront, that these neglect these often less prioritized issues should be put in the forefront, given what we've seen, especially after COVID-19 pandemic. Right. So my final question to you, 
Pastor Witt, would be so now that you've been watching and being involved so closely, you've listened to EU officials, you've taken part in training programs and workshops and um, all, all of those kind of uh, activities over the last four months of the Young Leaders Forum. What would you say that the EU and ASEAN could do better? Well, what would be your recommendation in terms of how they do things differently and perhaps do things in a, in a better manner? I think both sides could be a little bit more open to each other and that they, that would require some sort of mutual trust that this would that they're working together. Similar to the way that we've done our working groups, I feel like there, there could be disagreements, but an open sort of disagreement where it's in like we understand why it happens that we're working towards the same thing. And uh, we know that at the moment the EU side wants the ASEAN side to adopt a more value-based approach, but it has to do it in the way in which ASEAN feels it has a lot of ownership in it rather than just some sort of imposition, which a lot of leaders are concerned about. And I know it's difficult because EU does not want to compromise on these values when dealing with other countries, but it also can. But at the same time, there's a dilemma of creating further mistrust and stagnation. At the same time, the ASEAN side should try to cooperate a bit better, not just with the EU, but with itself. As we understand, the ASEAN doesn't necessarily always operate in a unified and integrated manner in the way the EU does, which kind of makes it difficult to, for even ASEAN to communicate within itself and with others as a one unit. So I think with a bit more communication, open and understanding communication and sort of setting up mutual goals, I believe that EU and ASEAN could forge a path in the same direction. Thank you very much, uh, Pasawit. Wise words on the need for collaboration, more trust and open and understanding communications. Thank you very much indeed for this very frank and open, and I have to say good advice that you've given EU and ASEAN leaders ahead of the December 14th commemorative summit. Thank you. I'll be talking now to Zoe Elkar-Nico from Denmark. She has a background in European law and is the co-founder of the European Debate Initiative and a 2021 European Citizens Prize Laureate. Zoe is the Danish EU Youth Delegate and Youth Delegate also to the Council of Europe and to the EU ASEAN Youth Forum. Zoe, so what attracted you to the EU ASEAN Young Leaders Forum and what did you learn uh, during these months of conversations, online conversations you've had with your counterparts in, in ASEAN? So what attracted me in the first place about this program was to widen my horizon on not only how is the European Union and the European continent working on these issues of democracy and security, but also how are they working with other regions and, of course, the ASEAN region in this particular case. So it attracted me to learn more about the, the external relations of the European Union and how we collaborate with ASEAN countries, because, of course, from a European perspective, I am by, by nature, quite Eurocentric in my education, in, in my background. So I wanted to widen my horizon. And I think what um, what surprised me and what my, what impacted me about these all these online conversations was the the generational understanding, I think, uh, across across continents, basically, because we were meeting across time zones, somewhere in the middle of the night, somewhere early in the morning, and somehow we managed to find common ground for all of us. And I think for me, a lot of the people in the in the online forum and in the online room 
I had way more in common with than actually some of my peers here in my own community that are maybe older than myself. So that was a, a very giving uh, and an excellent experience. So these are people you'll stay in touch with uh, going forward. So what are the issues you agreed on and where did you find yourself disagreeing on some points? So first on the points that we agreed on, I think um, it was mostly about the, the very basic understanding of values, value systems of, of democracy, of the rule of law. So we very quickly came to a common ground on, okay, what are the basic things we want to uh, leaders in across ASEAN and European Union countries to work towards. So human rights, the rule of law, democracy, the separation of powers, free media, all these, these basic values. Of course, then what came afterwards was what is actually the content of those terms and, and those definitions. And that sparked a lot of discussion. And it wasn't because we necessarily disagreed, but it, it was definitely interesting to see that, okay, the definition of democracy might not be the same for me in my country that it is in, in a country that is thousands of miles away from where I am. And that's not because one is right and one is wrong, but it just means that cultures also influence how we view those in a way universal systems. So I think we definitely agreed on the basic values, on the basic systems of governance. And then when it came to, to finding those details and how do we actually do that in practice, we had not disagreements, but very interesting discussions on it. So basically, were you agreeing to say, were you agreeing on the fact that, yes, there are some uh, common values and besides they're in the United Nations framework as well, these values, all countries are supposed to adhere to them, but the practice can be different depending on the cultural, geographical context, historical context? Yes, and I think the reason why we... we in a way differed was not because we necessarily had different beliefs, but because we know the context of our own regions and our own countries. So if I, as maybe a very uh, idealist person would say, oh, but I, I believe that we should all work for human rights and the rule of law. And then when we dive into that discussion, the contextualization of how that works in, in I mean, of course it's different also in the ASEAN region and in, in the European Union, but making those very broad baselines then I got a lot of knowledge about, hmm, actually, we can't just assume that this, this everything works in one way. So that was quite enlightening in a way for me um, to broaden my, my perspective, because I think the young people and the young leaders from, from across the, so outside of Europe, um, were really aware of their own context and how they also apply these kind of definitions in the not a, not a different way, but just are aware of how it works in their own countries. And do you think, uh, Zoe, that the EU ASEAN Leaders Summit in December in Brussels, December 14th in Brussels, are you hoping that leaders from both regions will show that same degree of understanding for each other's differences, but also agree on a certain very important challenges and how to tackle them? I very much hope so. Uh, of course, I am hopeful. Um, I want to be optimistic, and I do believe that um, forums such as this, like Youth Leaders forums, show that, in a way, the differences that we see in the high-level political leaders of the world right now, somehow, hopefully, they will be uh, not necessarily watered down, but at least there will be more international understanding, because right now, with the very grave situation, for example, in, in Ukraine, Russia's invasion, we see some countries across the globe that either are not you know, voting against or in favor of resolutions in the United Nations or keeping themselves out of the conversation for strategic reasons. 
And those are some things in the Youth Leaders Forum that we talked about. And of course, uh, or not of course, but but the youth leaders from uh, different countries, we all agree that, you know, terrible things are happening, but they also understood, okay, but how, why is it and how is it that leaders of their own countries don't necessarily um, just say, yes, we, uh, we, we think it's horrible what's happening in Ukraine or things like that. Uh, because that might, for, for me and, you know, the leader of, of my country, Denmark, it's more straightforward and easier in a way. Um, so we're hopeful that we can push some of those young kind of fresh perspectives on a more equal world, more human rights to our leaders, hopefully in December and, and also in the future. So Zoe, there are six themes that were discussed in the uh, Youth Leaders Forum right over the four months that you talked from April to October. And there was democratic governance, basic rights, security, economic relations, health partnership, climate change, sustainable development and people to people connectivity. Which question gave you the most, uh, let's say passion and got your uh, heartbeat racing your pulses racing, what, what excited you the most? Personally, what excited me the most was the discussion on the political perspective. And the reason I say this is that in a way, the political um, value system or the political system that you decide on upon is that is what you build everything else on. So that is what you build security policy on. That's what you build climate policy on, everything else. So I think having... The discussion on okay what are the things that we want in a political system across the globe how do we want political systems to cooperate between the ASEAN and European Union regions how can we make again this common ground or at least get closer to it and I think that was in a way because it was such a grounded fundamental discussion that everything else all other policies are building upon for me that was the most both thought-provoking interesting and also widening in, in my own perspectives. So the three common challenges that you think the EU and ASEAN face today and should be high up on the agenda, you talked about the geopolitical landscape and trying to overcome some discord and misunderstandings over that. But what are the other questions that you think should be part of this December summit? Uh, I think, well, the biggest issue for, I think, for our generation is, is climate change and, uh, the, and not just climate change, but the climate crisis. And of course, that is a, a global issue that cannot be solved by one country, one region, but it needs to be all regions of the world and, and in fact, all countries. And especially, of course, the, the big countries, the global leaders um, and, and countries that desire to, uh, to play a bigger role in the world. So I think creating a common ground, again, partnerships between regions, starting with the European and ASEAN, it's a great place to start and say, okay, how can we be more ambitious on climate policy, on climate change? How can we make common decisions or common policies? So, I mean, it is the, the generational, it will be a generational, generational catastrophe if we don't do anything about it very soon. So I think that's the probably the most important challenge in a way. Right. And what role do you see young people playing in this EU-ASEAN partnership? Um, obviously, the recommendations you've drawn up, uh, will be taken to the leaders. But apart from that, what, what contribution do you think you can make more actively, more proactively in this relationship, which is now 45 years old? I believe young people 
can and will play a central role in policymaking, not just at the formal level of saying we have young elected representatives, but also behind the scenes and the advocacy behind pushing your own elected representatives to be more ambitious on climate change, on security, on political issues. So I think young people, because we are so ambitious and so you know, driven by passion and by, and we might be even quite idealistic sometimes. And that can be seen as a, a negative thing for some because we need pragmatism. We need you know to be able to make solutions commonly and not just stand in our own corner. But on the other end, we also need that passion and that real drive for wanting to make a change in the world. And I do believe that I've had many conversations with youth leaders, both uh, in Europe and across the world, and also in this, this youth leaders forum, that if we just keep playing by the rules, that's fine, but we need to make use of those rules and structures and the bureaucracy in the world to actually find those gaps and say, where can we use it to our own advantage? So of course, we play by the rules, we use the forms that are there. We 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 don't, you know, just protest and do nothing else, but we also use it strategically. How can we adv advocate for more ambitious, for example, climate policy or on democracy or on human rights? Give me an example of how you think you can do that on these issues. What would you what would you like to do? So practically, I would like to and I have done uh, in the past. I can mention for example, this week in uh, in Strasbourg. I was uh, participating in the, the Council of Europe. Uh, they have a Congress of local and regional authorities, and they had invited young leaders to their Congress session. And we were invited to speak on the issues that we find the most important. Um, so for example, I was speaking about education. I was speaking about human rights, uh, fake news, all these things. And actually in the end of the whole session, all the Congress members who are probably have an average age of maybe 50 or 45, at least very much older than, than the youth leaders present, they, so many of them came up to us and said, you are so smart, all of you. You had the best speeches in this Congress session. The rest of us, you put us to shame. We you were so passionate. We really listened to your ideas and we want to have further conversations with you after. And then you had these informal gatherings, of course, where you can exchange ideas. So I think words are not just words if you if you really want to make that change. So for, and that was on the rule of law. It was on climate policy, it was on education, all those things that, that matter to young people. That must have been a very exhilarating moment. Now, just coming back to this EU ASEAN summit in December, what is your advice to EU and ASEAN leaders as they go there? What should they be focusing on? What should their priorities be? In my opinion, the priorities of the, the leaders of this world right now is to work for common solutions that are not just trying to find the common denominator, but because that's sometimes the lowest common denominator. But also, if you are a leader of a country, small or big, and you have an ambition or you are being pushed by young people or, or other interest groups to be bold in your solutions, find those like-minded partners and the more you can gather the more ambitious you can be and push also other countries who might you know not quite there be yet or are not bold enough or pragmatic enough to to take the next step for example on climate policy and then make those coalitions so of course try to find the common solutions but not by the lowest common denominator but by led by pragmatic and also ambitious solutions
Thank you, Zoe. Zoe Elkar, Nico, young leader from Denmark, talking about common solutions and bold solutions and the importance of building coalitions ahead of the EU ASEAN summit on December 14th in Brussels. Thank you very much, Zoe. Pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much for having me here. Thank you very much indeed for this very frank and open, and I have to say good advice that you've given EU and ASEAN leaders ahead of the December 14th commemorative summit. Thank you.